so you got right, right way round, back to front, inside out, back to front. I have no answers, only questions. Mila Djokovic? Mila Jovovich. I thought, it was, <laughs> I thought it was Djokovic, like the tennis player. Yeah, Djokovic is spelled yeah. fucking B-J-O-K-O-B-I-C. I know, but I thought it was like, similar sounding. The only review I'm going to endorse from Steam simply reads, Adding VR and a bag of mushrooms will push things even further, giving you the best trip of your lousy fucking life. <laughs> Hello podcast listeners, welcome and thanks for joining us. You're listening to episode 19 of the Video Game Chat Podcast, a podcast talking about games, tech, and other nerdy goodness. I'm Geordie, and as always, I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Rob. Hello. Gary. Hello. And Brendan, who's filling his mouth full of grapes. Uh, maybe Brendan's uh, become a weep. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. I got about tan in there. <laughs> Impressive. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And if you want to join in, ask questions, or suggest other topics, you can follow and message us on Twitter at VGC underscore podcast. Or you can join our Discord channel. And if you're thinking, hey, I really like listening to these four idiots talk about video games, then please go and give us a five-star review over on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. So guys, how have we all been doing since the last episode? Not too bad. Not really a lot to say, to be honest. <laughs> Nothing new. No, not, not much, oh, wait, to be honest. I, do, I, do, I have finally got my Q position for the fucking 3080. Oh, wonderful. 362. I am not getting one until next year. That's well, fair enough. At least you're getting one. Eventually. You might have to wait for it. It'll be a, a, a late Christmas present. Or a slightly <laughs> early birthday present, depending on how long it takes. Oh yeah. God, I hope it's not an early birthday present. That would, that would suck <laughs> that, for you. That I've already paid for. They have already have taken it. Yeah, they it? took the money on the fucking day. Oh, it's because you bought it for your overclockers, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, bad mistake there. They've taken your money and you're in a queue. Yep. Overclockers. Gary, they, Gary overclockers is... took my money and didn't know when they'd get stock in for it, for the VI yeah, I forgot about that. I did forget about that. They went, oh, I went, here's my money. And they went, oh, thanks. As soon as we hear about them, we'll let you know. And then we'll tell you when they're going to be delivered. Me out of pocket, is... 400 quid until they decide to tell me that there's one in stock. Very bad business etiquette. Yes. So uh, we obviously will not be promoting said website. No. <laughs> That's overclockers.co.uk. We're not selling out. Unless the money is really good. Not until MeUndies approach us. Hey, I was going to say, yes, buy <laughs> MeUndies. <laughs> it's just been a while since we've mentioned that. So what's that for you, Gary? Four pairs? Uh, two, actually. I turned them inside out. Yeah, inside out, back to front. I once met a guy who said he had a five-day rotation, and I really don't want to know how that works. Does the fifth day work? I do not know. I'm assuming it involves <laughs> got, some sort of extra dimension. So you got right, right way round, back to front, inside out, back to front. No you know idea. What? I'm not going to ask. I have I'm no answers, ask. only questions. Why is this the thing that you guys know? Have you done this before? No, I refuse. I have refuse to think that Have any of you low. three done this? 
as in the rotation. Yeah. I, no. I think it seemed but, to have been spoken with some sort of level of experience. Uh, no, it's, it's just when you go to the universe to school of certain lost. people, Brendan, you, you become yeah. aware of their system and just you, you just accept. I don't know. That sounds very different from what Jordan just said. Jordan just went, it's a way to make underwear last. Like he sounded like he was threatening. <laughs> he was there. justifying he like it as opposed that. to justifying the knowledge of it. <laughs> no, so if, you, I, I, if, you were, if you were camping in the wild. And you haven't come across a fresh stream to have watch you your undergarments that? in. <laughs> how, how often no, do just... you? How often do you camp out in the wild and need to change your underwear that many times oh, to make all, it last? All, all, all the camp time, out and only all have the time. One fresh pair. I, I well, imagine if, you, it's if, you, like... if you're going camping, you only got one set of clothes, which is the clothes you're wearing. Then you can't no, get a chance to stop them. That's not you? true. Oh my god! You know what this that's... reminds me of? Whenever someone brings up torture, then one guy's like, "Yeah, but what if someone had a nuke in their suitcase and they hid it somewhere, and you have to torture them to find out the answer?" This is what Jordan's doing. He's making like the scenario where you have to have dirty underwear. Oh, he's he's just playing <laughs> devil's advocate for <laughs> shitty. Underwear. I mean, okay. What about if you're stranded on your own, you have no supplies, and what you just have you to live in a live fucking twenty-first century society where you can go to fucking Primark and buy fifty pairs of fucking boxers <laughs> for two quid? <laughs> Wash your underwear, <laughs> change your socks. <laughs> I feel like this is the, I feel like this is the start of a survival game episode. <laughs> this episode has been a fucking disaster already. <laughs> we are uh, usually what we what we uh, have is a document that we we've written everything out. We kind of know what we're doing. This episode, we are just it's all from the fucking brain. This is a free balling. Free balling. Yeah, free balling because you're disgusting unwashed underwear. Yes. <laughs> but uh, if we're going to continue run out of our five days supplies of underwear. Let's not. Let's not. Yeah. Let's go straight into video games. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we've gone off track <laughs> immediately. This is the fastest railroading. Mm. Off the beaten path, you could say, uh, with only one I set of underwear. Fucking beat your path. Well, let's, let's, let's get on to some, some video game news. So... In the last couple of days, we've had some terrible news uh, and that fucking Cyberpunk 2077 Studio uh, is crunching ahead of the game's November release once again, which is uh, very bad. Yes. Slap, we were, slap we on the wrists of CD Projekt Red. Well, there's always going to be an element of crunch time, but, you know, it sounds, well, I mean... Deadlines are a thing. You're all, if you're an artist, you're always going to perfect it as much as you can. And there's always a deadline where you're like, okay, that's it. I've got to make sure that it's at least they're, as finished as I can make it. They're an independent studio, though, Gary. They don't have a publisher to worry about. Yeah. No, they don't have a publisher to worry about, but they have uh, shareholders to worry about. Fuck the shareholders. Yeah, fuck them, honestly. Literally, okay. fuck them. If you're a shareholder and you're listening to this podcast, Fuck yourself. Just open your fucking window and jump out of it. Get a real job. What are you doing? Buying stocks and shit. Fuck off. <laughs> Get stinging nettles and rub them over your private parts. That's it. And then jump out the window. <laughs> Prick. I don't condone it, though. Like, it's always going to happen. It's just how capitalism is. But I don't condone it. Um, but I, w- I, was, I was worried that they would be putting in more crunch time um, earlier on in the year. I think we discussed this... Um, Ahead of hearing about the first delay of, of Cyberpunk 2077 to what it yeah, is. Yeah, when they had the right idea, which was, well, we can't get it done by then, so uh, we should yeah. delay it. Mm. And I yeah, think but COVID I- certainly sets out the precedent that people should just 
anticipate delays. Yeah, 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 for sure. And a lot of other companies are doing the same. They are pushing things back. Um, but also, I, I think we have to realize that Cyberpunk 77, 2077 rather, is coming out on um, consoles. So they're having to get the CDs approved. They're having to get the, the packaging and all of that approved pre-release. And they've probably already paid for all of that. So they have to get it done. There'll be a deadline, which they've all set everything has to be done. And they've pushed it as far as they can. And ultimately, they have to get it done. And it sucks because, you know, I'm, I'm a designer. I have this on a daily basis where you, you want to make it as good as you feasibly can, but the deadlines and the budget do not allow it. And in an ideal scenario, yes, it would be great if that was the case. And maybe they could still push it back, but then they would lose a significant amount of money by pushing back the release. More this, than I think we could comprehend. This is all a very good point for me to say if you are a console gamer and you're listening to this podcast, fuck yourself. <laughs> no, we, we, we love our console gamer listeners, Brendan. Please do not, do not hurt them. If you play video games you and you Brendan? listen to this podcast, fuck yourself. So the original, the original story was that employees at CD Projekt Red will be working six-day working weeks ahead of their launch. Uh, in an email, uh, the boss, Adam Badowski, I think I pronounced that right, wrote to the studio staff saying, you'd be required to work your typical amount of work in one day, uh, your typical amount of work, and one day on the weekend. So they would try and, and keep... It'll be typical amount of work on a normal day, which will be more than they are being paid for anyway. Yeah. The co-founder said last year that the studio would be trying to keep to a non-obligatory crunch policy in the later stages. But So what you're saying is executives lie? They don't I, have I, the I best think... interests of their staff at, at heart in mind? Yeah, here's, a, here's a tweet that came from the... the the boss on the project, saying, these last six weeks are our final sprint on a project we've all spent much of our lives on, something we care for deeply. The majority of the team understand and understands the push, uh, especially in light of the fact that we've just sent the game to CERT and every day brings us visibly closer to shipping a game we want to be proud of. This is one of the hardest decisions I've had to make, but everyone is well compensated for every extra hour they put in. And like in recent years, 10% of the annual profit our company generates in 2020 will be split directly among the team. That's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Where does the other 90% go? In their pockets. That's good wage theft. Is that 10% um, Income or ten percent profit. Annual profit. Profit. Oh, oh so everything that comes after. Jesus. Well, either way, I'm sure they're going to get a fat bonus at the end of it. I fucking hope. You'd, you'd they hope get a fat so. Bonus. You'd hope so. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I. I don't like. I said I don't condone it, but you can't avoid situations like this. And you know, Alex, Half Life Alex had exactly the same thing. You, Brendan, we read that they were changing things up to the very last week. You know, it's always going to happen. And if, you're, if, you, if you truly care about the game or the art that you're making, you will always work on it until the very last minute. That's just what creatives are like. Whereas these guys are making video games for a living, they're probably having a whale of a time we doing their jobs. You say that. You say that. They'll be enjoying it, but I don't think it'll be all ups, ups and ups. It'll be 
Oh, yeah, every job, has up, every job has their ups and downs. Like, yeah. yeah, like one thing is someone, you know, quickly doing some art changes to Russell and Half-Life Alex because he's a new character that's been introduced at the last moment. And another thing is some poor bastard being stuck doing 14-hour days of bug testing. Yep. Yeah. Which yeah. is realistically yeah. what that crunch time is most likely going to be. Yeah. I, I imagine there'll be um, like, oh, there's some critical game save corrupting bug that happens if you accept this mission at this time at like an hour and a half into the game that then sort of fucks your save up at the 15 hour mark. And we've got to find out exactly what causes that sort of thing. Mm. You know, or if Kiwi is hope- of any game that we've played quite recently has anything to go by, it's not going to be an issue and they won't have noticed anything. Well, I I just hope that you know they just get paid what they're worth and what they're owed for it. Because working six weeks of intense work is doable, and if you're happy to do it, then good for you. But you better be fucking paid for it. Well, yeah, six six weeks of six days a week is well. Yeah, I wouldn't, that's what I, I wouldn't want that on. I wouldn't put that on any person. I've done six day weeks uh i think i've done three six day weeks back to back and i was exhausted after that and it was for again for crunch time i I had to i had to do it there was no other option um but i wanted to do it as well because there was i wanted it to be as good as i could make it the design that i'm talking about so yeah can imagine that when you're when you're like when you're a creative person you don't want to put out something that other game developers and publishers put out and then do a massive day one patch or what week one patch that fixes all the all the things that were wrong with it i'm sure they will still do that but you want to kind of get as many of the major bugs fixed to make it a a playable game on launch yeah definitely Uh, moving on from uh that bit of news we've also got the coming in november 2020 the uh the golden joysticks awards which is uh, voting aside now. If you want to go and vote for your favourite games in the selected categories, then go ahead and do that online. Or Twitter, or however they do it. Golden Joysticks was a thing. Yeah, it always comes down to a bit of a popularity contest at the end of the day, though, doesn't it? It's mm, one of the bigger like, ones, isn't it? Yeah, but at the same time, games well, the game that sell awards, really the BAFTAs. well are the ones that do really well in those publicly voted awards. You feel like... Did the Golden Joysticks precede games getting BAFTAs? For some reason, like uh, the Golden Joysticks Award, I feel is like really fucking old. Yeah. Well, it's the thirty eighth. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says the thirty eighth Golden Joystick Awards, presented by Games Radar. I but, reckon. Uh... You know, it's the same thing as as uh, as any award ceremony. It's all who you know, ultimately. Well, these How are all these are most of these are public. These are all publicly voted. Or most of the categories are publicly voted. You've got uh, the only ones that aren't publicly voted is Outstanding Contribution, Breakthrough Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, Critics' Choice, and Best Performer. Yes, but who does the shortlisting? Yeah, exactly. Ah, true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It it doesn't matter if, if we have the vote, if we're being told to vote for only five games that came out. And it's who, who, who picked them, like Brendan said. Mm. I was right. The Golden Joysticks Award started in 1983, and the BAFTA Games Award started in 2004. Oh, shit. They were quite late to it then. 
Yeah, slow on yeah, the uptake there. BAFTA's always been British film and television. So I think BAFTA only started doing games when BAFTA started funding games projects and stuff. Mm. That makes sense. Holy shit. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater won a BAFTA for its mobile game and Grand Theft Auto Vice City won a BAFTA. It's just, <laughs> I want a reprint of every Vice City box to have BAFTA award winner on the front of it. <laughs> that would if be amazing. Print- I can, I can see Fall okay. Guys doing pretty well. Best Family Game is a new one for 2020. And on there we've got Animal Crossing, Fall Guys, Pokemon, Minecraft Dungeons, uh, Paper Mario, Moving Out, Clubhouse Games, and Super Mario 3D All-Stars. But I reckon Animal Crossing is going to trump that. Animal Crossing, yeah, Fall Guys, maybe. Maybe, but I think Fall Guys would probably... Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'd be surprised, there's been a lot of family interaction from what I've heard of uh, people who have young kids and they've been playing Fall Guys mm. together as like a family, watching each other, taking turns. Yeah, that actually, that's quite nice. I like that. I do miss um, couch gaming. Like Rob and mm. I, we, we started doing that before lockdown mm. and uh, that had to be put on hold. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Uh, what was it? The, a Way Out was one of the oh, first ones we did oh. and that was absolutely spectacular. Oh, and then just an lots of Evo. And, uh, we, we fucking smashed uh, A Way Out. We, we, I think we finished it in two like days. Two days. We? Yeah. It wasn't the yeah. longest game, but it, it, was, it was pretty gripping, you know, in terms of, mm. it, you know, we... Gave a shit about the characters and stuff, and yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I think it was a, I, I it was would, a fun experience. I would much rather play a shorter game, first player, as not first player, single player title, but with an exceptionally compelling story, such as Half Life Index. Uh, Half Life Index. Fuck me. <laughs> oh my, my brain is not working. Half Life Alex. Uh, it's only like what twelve hours, sixteen hours long, max, and. But it's, a, it's an incredible story. And then you get other games which are like, uh, I don't know, Assassin's Creed, for example, which just feels long. You'd, for, you'd be happy to know, Gary, that the PC Game of the Year categories shortlist is Paradise Killer, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Hades, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, Crusader Kings 3, Valorant, Half-Life Alex, and Death Stranding. Alex, Alex, Alex. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely put my vote into Alex for PC Game of the Year. Every then, time I see Alex, I'm in its own for a couple of categories there. It is oh, indeed. It? It's also in the Best Visual Design category. Uh, and what was the one I saw it in? Best Audio. Uh, there is a Monster Hunter movie coming up, which I only just <laughs> discovered today when Riddler dropped. Yes, you did mention that uh, Mila Djokovic is in it, and we were both stunned... That she's only 44 years of age. Is that how you pronounce that? I thought it was it's, it's absolutely Jovovich. not. It's Mila Jovovich. Okay, well, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Mila Jovovich. That's always how I thought it was pronounced. I thought it was Mila Djokovic. I thought it was, I thought it was Djokovic, like the tennis player. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. But Djokovic is spelt fucking D-J-O-K-O-V-I-C. I know, but I thought it was like similar sounding. I will kick you to death. We are very English. Yes. Excuse me? 
I said we. No, I'm think, not saying I, you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I didn't Brendan. say you. I will I slap we. the bright out of your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Angry. fight me, bitch. Come Angry on, Irish across Irish. the fucking Irish channel or whatever it's called. <laughs> oh my god. Jesus. Oh, stay on wet. your island. <laughs> Piss off. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Irishman strangles Ginger Man. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> Thumping my desk and singing Amran Fian down the fucking headset. <laughs> you know I love you, Brendan. I don't love you. It's <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. Let's move in to the main discussion of this podcast, which is the Star Wars Squadrons, which we have all been playing for the last 24 hours, pretty much. And we are all John Williams out of our minds. And, uh, yeah, he's done, he's done really well. We're, uh, we're, we're, we were all pretty hyped for it and hoping they would do well. And it has it's received lots of, uh, great reviews online that I've seen. And, uh, yeah, we've had a good old time, haven't we boys? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I think we all started playing it roughly at the same time. Uh, quite a few of us. Well, I think everybody but Brendan started just on monitor. They were just like, I just want to get to, get to grips with the controls and things first. And Brendan just dived straight in on, on, the, VR. on the VR. Into his rift. And just yeah. as we were all doing the tutorial missions and things, we just heard Brendan going, oh, 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 wow, this is amazing. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, this is, this is brilliant. It's so good in VR. So good. So, like, naturally, we all just caved and started playing in VR immediately. And, yeah, fuck me. It went from a pretty good Star Wars dogfighter on just a monitor to just such a unique and really just cool experience in VR. Honestly, that is mm. sort of an experience that I have always wanted to have since I was a child and first watched A New Hope. Just being able to sit in your cockpit of your X-Wing, shooting TIE fighters down and things like that. Just, oh, it just feels so good. Like, and when we were all, when we had all of us guys and Elliot all playing with VR and just when we all clicked together in teamwork and things like calling it out when you've got somebody shooting you in the back and everybody piling in to help that one guy out. And when we had those sort of really clean sweep victories and things, it just felt so good, like phenomenally good. Oh, I'm, I'm chuffed with it. <laughs> And there was a point when we were playing uh, yesterday, Rob, where you were like, this is everything that I wanted when I was a kid. And it was just like, oh, it made me smile so much when you said that. Oh, God, I know. It's just, it's, it's just that really cool experience. It's immersive as shit during the dogfighting. It's a shame that the sort of pre and post round, like, intro video things, they didn't really bother doing anything with that to incorporate that into VR. or. Mm. You know, overloading screens, as we've said, like Half-Life Alex has VR environment loading screens, you know, where like you see the map sort of fold out in front of you, projected, and you can sort of lean around it and have a bit of a look at the sort of layout of City 17. Yeah. And you uh, could have had yeah. something like that for the loading screens here, you know, like we've got hollow tables and stuff in game and things, and you could have had like wireframe models of like X-Wings and TIE fighters fighting just in like a... 3D diorama sort of thing that, yeah, or on a flat screen, you could have a set camera 
that looks like a battle. And then in, if you're in VR, you can sort of lean around and get a bit of perspective and parallax to it. You know, there's, there's ways they could have done it, but they just didn't. As I was saying to you earlier, I feel like there's a lot of this where um, the game just as itself is optimized really fucking well with VR. Like, I haven't had any issues with it. I know a couple of people have been having crashes, but um, like it looks and feels fantastic. But you can tell where they have cut a lot of corners in order to make it work with VR. So Mm. simple things like in briefing rooms, you are stationary. You will never move. Your character does not walk ever even if you're using a controller on a flat screen you're going nowhere you look at things and you press a button and those things will talk to you but there's no moving around you basically um point and click when you're not in your ship and um you can see that sort of with where they're trying to avoid the difficulties of having to map in movements and things like that which comes into vr they've kept it very simple in order to do that and i think that's sort of where we're seeing that with the loading screens as well where they've just gone like, um, right, so what should we do for this bit? And they're just like, I don't know, just put the standard cutscene on a flat screen and they can just watch that. <laughs> Regarding that cutscene as well, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've got the, the same thoughts on it as I have, but it seems a bit small. Yeah, that monitored thing that sort of projects yeah. in front of you could definitely be a bit closer. Like, just a jarring. little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like currently, it looks like a, like a twenty four inch monitor. You kind of want it to be like a twenty seven, maybe a thirty. Just, just yeah, but it's like more. A, it's, it's like a twenty four inch monitor, but like at the back of quite a deep desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even if that's like a post post launch patch thing where we can adjust that, I, I would want that much closer to my face. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would just, give it, it, just stuff it in my face, just so like yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I it does feel like a full screen movie then rather than yeah i don't even understand if they just did it for half of the like environment of the vr so that you could basically have to look left and right to see all the different characters and all different players flying in with their ships like mm. if you know what i mean it's an odd one because in the single player there are moments in transitions between sort of missions and stuff like that where it will go into third person view and you'll see the ships like flying past towards something and stuff so they've got a third-person camera working, as we saw with the emotes as well. If you do an emote in multiplayer, it snaps out of your body and shows your character doing the emote. Like, they've got a 3D environment for VR done and working, so I'm not entirely sure why they have to do the loading. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like an odd one. Um, I, I, so, ultimately, like, we're all very much enjoying the game. It, like Rob said, I... I don't think we could sum it up any better. It is an like incredible experience being in VR and piloting a ship and having it feel so responsive as well. Mm. It definitely feels like, like it gives you a bit of a an advantage just situationally as well. You like being able to track a target with your head while you're pulling your ship around and things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I I think I probably spent the most time on a flat version before we went on to VR. Mm. Um Brendan and Rob were like, you definitely need to do it in VR. And I was like, yeah, I will, I will. But when it came out for us, it was uh, 11 p.m. at night. Took about 20 minutes to uh, authorize the download or whatever uh, and install the latest bits. And uh, then we had to do a, a tutorial. And the setup you guys found was a bit difficult with VR uh, if you're doing the setup for the first time in 
VR and not flat. Is that right? for me yeah i found like my audio wasn't working at all and that but that 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 was a that was a, 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 was a minor thing, issue. Isn't it? i thought i thought one of you said that you had to use your keyboard while you're using your headset i think that was Jordan. oh yeah <coughs> um no one of the options is either you can use keyboard and mouse or a controller and if you're using keyboard and mouse while using vr don't do that get a controller yeah uh but yeah it's it, it's really good and rob you're, you you've hit the nail on the head uh, i was I was hesitant to think that VR would be a benefit in the game, but it 100% is because you don't get motion sickness, or maybe you might. Some people might, but... I did, it was slightly. After about two hours, I started to feel a little bit queasy, but then I guess that's just me. Yeah, I mean, we haven't how you deal with VR really. for a while now at this point, have we? I mean, you have, because you only just finished Alex. Really, I just finished you? Alex, and I thought, mm. Alex, I thought I was quite good with Alex, like... I could play about three, four hours of Alex and and not get ill. By that last mm. section of Alex, I didn't stop, did I, Brendan? No, you just kept at it. Because it, it's yeah. a conditioning thing anyway. The more time you spend on it, the more your body gets used yeah. to it. I feel, where, I, I, feel, squadrons. I feel when you're in squadrons as well, especially when I do a lot of quite sharp turns and stuff like that and a lot of barrel rolls to sort of get rid of, like, instead of using it at night, you're... Well, the countermeasures. Yeah. So I was sort of getting a bit sick of just me spinning up and down. Sort of not not great for the first light experience of it. It's the weird because on the contrary to that, I don't get it in those moments when it's really action-packed and stuff. I'm really like focusing on the fight itself. Mm. The worst I've got is um, if you're starting off and there's that kind of moment of peace at the start of like dog fights or fleet fights or whatever and you're flying out, and then I go to, like, tilt, or, well, roll the plane effectively mm-hmm. left or right, my body, if I'm concentrating on that moment and that movement, my body is expecting me to feel that as yeah. it tilts, but it yeah. doesn't. Then it's it's sort of, that's where I'm like, ooh. Yeah, that, that <laughs> just sounds like an immersion issue, really, because, again, that's your brain going, I'm expecting yeah. this to be real. <laughs> Hang on, we're in a plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was the exact same thing that I feel, Brendan. Um, after like when I first got into VR and I was like, holy shit, this is cool. And then I I uh, I rolled and I was like, oh, oh god. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and uh, but then after that first couple like first minute of um of of adjusting to the controls being the first time in VR, it was perfect. I, there was maybe like one or two moments where it felt a bit bit hectic, but I I, I got quite used to it and it it's fun. Ultimately, this game is really fun, especially mm. if you have four other players on your team and you're all cooperating, you're all communicating. It is very, very fun. Mm. And um, I, I can't wait to play more. I'm sure we'll yeah, probably play some after this. That, we, that was that one match that we had that was, well, we had a couple of like really intense ones that just felt really good, that had like moments of like, real highs for us and then some real lulls or and mm. you know there was the one in the sort of red asteroid field sort of thing mm. where we ended up with like some people that were just really dicking on us like over and over mm. again and desperately trying to shake tails and things and there was one part where you know i got a few kills and then i focused on one guy he was just managing to evade all my shots and he was desperately trying to lose me around asteroids and stuff and i was just chasing him through like this like winding weaving sort of chase through these asteroids and like tiny little holes and things all the while looking around the cockpit like 
you know, trying to get the angle and things. And it just felt so cool. And like, while certain situations like that in games, you know, you can be like, okay, this is just going on. You know, I need to kill this guy. It's been like two and a half minutes and I haven't got a kill. Like just the excitement, thrill and sort of immersion of that chase just yeah. was totally worth it anyway. Even like the the sort of those sort of lulls where you're not actually getting any points or, you know, you're in a sort of stalemate aren't frustrating. They're mm. fun and, you know, they're quite intense, which I really like. Ironically enough, I think the bits where it, it wasn't enjoyable, like it was actively like an unpleasant experience, was where like shitty game behavior kicked in. So yeah. like you were in this really immersive moment and um like you'll get this with any sort of game that has dogfighting and it happened with Battlefront 2 and other ones as well. Um there was a guy, what was it, twin something? Twin wing? Twing? T-wing something? Oh, there, yeah. were, um, there were a load of idiots on, on this the other guy. T-wing pilot. The, the T-wing pilot. The, he did this classic thing of just locking into a loop. Just a loop. Because yeah. he wanted to get behind you. Or mm. he was behind you and you went the loop to get behind him. And the two of you were just sitting there looping. Anyone who mm. interacted with this guy ended up just flying in a loop over and over and over and over again, never catching each other. And yeah. it's that kind of thing. It's just like, you can't do that in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I found <laughs> uh, it did take me a little while with that. But after a while, I just switched full power to the engines, mm. boosted the fuck away, and then did the drift to, to just flip back around and look back at him. Because yeah. then you've, yeah. got the, you've got the distance and you've got a straight line at him and he's locked out of that loop and you can either get a lock on him or get a few shots on him and force him to actually have to move. But, yeah, it, I like that can be quite annoying when people just sort of default to just, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep looping, which can be a problem. It's been a problem in, like, Battlefield Five. It's mm. a problem in Star Citizen. Like, in PvP, people just tend to do looping just yeah. to try and get away from you and just hold you off and hope you get bored. Like, the addition of the boost and drift thing does mean there is a bit of a counter to that and obviously being a bit more sort of squad and team play focused you know we do have that sort of right call it out as soon as you guys have a second like just head over to me you like you can see just me and a red dot circling around over and over again you know that's me sort of thing and you can kind of immediately dive into that so that's what i was going to say in, in those situations that is where teamwork really comes into its own because if you are stuck in a fucking donut with another player, like the opposition, then you can just say, I've got someone on my ass. I'm going to fucking hold them off. Someone's got to kill them. And all you do is you just keep going around in circles and your and teammate deals with them. Yeah, because yeah. that was, you know, that was a problem for me a lot of the time in Battlefield Five. you know, other yeah. dogfight, other fighter pilots would just loop and it'd yeah. be such a pain in the ass. So I'd wait, I'd, I'd call that out. You'd jump into an AA gun somewhere and then I'd break the loop make them feel like they've got the advantage now and then just weave over to you, avoid their shots, and you just obliterate them on AA. And, you know, when you've got that sort of teamwork and somebody actually working with you, you can sort of break that cycle. But and if you're playing but, alone, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if any, I don't know if Sorry, any of you have watched the uh, or played the, the story mode. There were actually some bits that I completely missed out, like being able to fully put your shields on your backside so that if yeah, you are being yeah. chased by someone you can just divert all your shields to your rear to stop from from shooting you from behind yeah so and if, if you're you attacking find, the capital ships you can shove T the old shields the all the way to the front yeah yeah so which is, is that something is it quite easy to, to do 
Yeah, I think it's just hold X, isn't it? And it brings yeah, hold, up the hold X and then use your use your arrow arrow or it's, your thing yeah. to move it upwards. Uh, it's just cool. hold X and you'll get a thing saying like up or down, you know, front or rear, and you just switch. Yeah, cool. What I would love, like, I mean, th- sorry, this is a tangent, but what I would love is like a full VR mode for it, where you can use the VR controllers and just fully manage the ship. Yeah, this is what I was talking to my mate Rad about. My mate Rad has still yet not bought the game, but he was very sort of interested in the VR aspect of things and and wanted me to to show him how it how it works. And I said, oh, it's just mm. literally you use a controller while you're wearing the VR headset. And he was like, oh, so you don't actually use like physical controls in the ship to move it, like if you had your uh, Index or Vive or what are the Oculus controllers in your hand and actually lifting up the joystick and moving it like a joystick to get your your, your movement there and then using the other one to say do your your speed and your, your acceleration and buttons and stuff like that. That being said though, like this this for me it. is uh, yeah, I'm sure they could. They they could probably do a, a version of it, but I, I I as much as I would love that, I also think it doesn't need it. Having a controller is nice. Yeah. I, this is the first game that I've played in VR that doesn't use the VR controllers themselves. And I don't mind it. I actually quite enjoy having to just maybe relax a little bit more and yeah, use being a controller a seated Because really... again, like a lot of the games mm. we play in VR are standing, uh, standing room, like move about sort of titles as well. So it, having exactly. one that's actually just sit down, hold a controller, the only thing you need VR for is looking around and feeling immersed. It's nice. Yeah. My, my minor, minor gripe is that the scale feels slightly off. Mm. Mm. like the cockpits do feel quite small like especially if you're in like say the tie reaper and you turn around and see like there's a door behind you it looks like it's four and a half feet tall sort of thing yeah and also even the scaling between like star destroyers in the actual movies are a lot bigger than they are in this game yeah i think they're supposed to be like two three kilometers long or something aren't they yeah. And they they feel like they're about 800 meters or so. But, I mean, they still feel quite big to fly next to, you know. Oh, yeah. They do feel impressive to fly next to. But yeah, that as you said, it's they, they don't feel quite too movie scale. Yeah. Like the, the little, um, not the Nebulon B, what's, it, what's the other one? The little sort of uh, Republic cruiser, the one that, I can't remember the name of the it. Raider? Yeah, no, the essentially Republic the Republic one, Raider, yeah. the Corvette thing. Corvette. That feels slightly too small as well. Yeah, actually, that's a perfect example of it. I think that was what drew my attention to it, because the, the, the Corvette is, if you've watched um, Star Wars A New Hope, at the start, when there's the ship trying to get away from Vader's Star Destroyer, you can see it's quite a big ship. Like it's got hallways in it, whereas yeah. in this game, it's kind of like, it looks like it's got a cockpit, probably big enough for maybe four people. Yeah, it's a, it it's looks like it's about, at, at most, 15 feet tall. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, I was looking at it and I was like, that looks like a one-man ship. And the, mm. I'll say one thing, though, um, for the scale of the Star Destroyers, like this is sort of this thing of where you get immersed in it and where it really does pay off in terms of like just a really good sort of Starfighter game. Um, there was a moment when I was playing earlier today where a guy was chasing me and 
we were attacking the Star Destroyer at this point, and I came up the back of it, and on the side of a Star Destroyer are these kind of overlapping lips from where the armor is, you know, because it's that sort of wedge shape. So mm. there's a trench that runs along the side of the Star Destroyer, and I was able to turn in my little A-Wing and fly down the length of this trench with this guy trying to follow me, but not quite being able to fit in with his TIE fighter. Oh, so I, I reached the end, flipped around, and then fired back at him. And it was that sort of thing of that felt big. Like, that that made it feel big, and it was a really sort of satisfying action-packed moment that you can imagine from one of the movies. Mm. Yeah, there's, it's it's really good for those sort of things as well. Like, there's, uh, what's it, the one of the, sh- the shipyard level, like there's quite a few little sort of trenchy sort of areas in that in the middle of all the like main asteroid sort mm-hmm. of base and things and like I frequently like ducked into there in like an A-wing or a tie interceptor to just lose like a tail or lose a missile lock and just shake it off, loop round and come back at a different angle that people aren't expecting. And there's mm-hmm. the one map that's set in that massive sort of just wreckage of like a previous battle or something, isn't there? That's just in space and just wreckage. Yeah, and that's really good. There's like loads of little just holes in like plating of a blown up star destroyer and things, and you can sort of quickly turn and weave through those holes and lose track, lose sight lines and things. And it's really good for those little cinematic sort of oh, that would be really cool if I could do that sort of moments, and it just makes you feel really quite skilled. It's like yes, you know, you do feel. Yeah, cool. I'm a fucking kick-ass fucking starship pilot. Yeah. Mm. Like like you said, Brendan, it does have its moments where it feels just like the films. Yeah. It, it's completely caught me off guard because being quite frank, when you guys had like flagged this up in the first place, I was like, okay, this looks interesting and it's VR supported. So it's not a VR dedicated game. And I saw the price tag was like 34 quid. And at that point I was like, eh, I'll pick this up and it might be all right. It's completely fucking superb. Like, in terms mm-hmm. of VR games, it's up there. Like, it's one of the best mm. fucking VR games you can get on Steam right now. Mm. But before we continue on with that, um, can, can, can I just have a moment to say how fucking beautiful the maps are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're really good. The lighting like, is just incredible. Oh, oh. Yeah, for, for me, it was uh, when we were doing the little dogfight on Yavin. And you've got those like really nice, just sort of. It is just obviously a fucking static image skybox thing, as Brendan said mm. before. But even just those like nice wispy clouds that they've got sort of surrounding it, that then just and then just Starfield, and you've got Yavin for you know the fucking moon, like just on the skyline as well. It just it's just it's pleasing to fly in. Mm. It's just so nice. I I was uh, hesitant as well. Um, but for a different reason. Uh, I didn't think that I would actually enjoy a flying game because all the previous games that I've played that are flying, maybe bar Fly Simulator because that was a little bit slow-paced and I didn't have to worry about other people fucking me over on it. But any other game that I've done flying in, I've kind of, I don't know, I don't know the controls and how to handle it very well, especially with a keyboard and mace. So... I kind of found them to be, I didn't really enjoy them. So when, when you guys were like, oh, we're all going to get it. And then Elliot said he was going to get it. I was like, right, I'll get it. Because I mean, I'd, I'll have fun playing with you guys regardless. If it's a sh- even if it's a shit game, I'll have fun. Probably in the same boat as me, Gary. You're the sort of person that on Battlefield, you couldn't fly the uh, planes in Battlefield for Toffee. Yeah. 
yeah. exactly that. So, so, that, I, so that is exactly why the same. I would always support Rob. Yeah, I would. I would never ever. I would never ever be good at flying planes in battlefield or anything like that. I was always getting shot down, or I was always getting outplayed by people who are better pilots than me. And oh, then God. obviously the replay value of, uh, or, or being able to get back into a, uh, a, a jet or whatever in battlefield, you used to have to wait fucking ages for it to respawn yeah. and stuff like that. I remember, I remember battlefield three was a real bitch for that. Wasn't it? Because, yeah. um, when you started the game, if you started jumping in a jet, you literally just had like machine guns. You didn't have mm. rockets. You didn't have flares. And yeah. if when you hit like rank five or something as a pilot, you unlocked the missiles, which gave you mm. an immediate advantage over anybody that hadn't flown before because they they could just get locked onto and blown out the sky, yeah. but couldn't even defend themselves. And I remember that. I, yeah, and I was like, oh, that's that's a really bad gameplay design choice. Like, mm. oof. And the you other know, thing as well that while we're on Battlefield Three, but more so I would say Bad Company was that spawn. If you were lucky enough to jump into a jet, people would fucking satchel charge you and blow you up, and it's just like, no, oh, god, you fuck. What's the point? Like, it's just a negative gameplay experience for everyone because oh no, you didn't get to fly your plane, but now no one gets to fly the plane. Good mm. one. Well, yeah, this stuff of this game is so much different. The 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 balancing issues that, that, that we come across, I feel like they might not be as much of an issue as we thought. I think yeah. we could we could have just been I, outplayed I, in certain sections. Yeah. I, I think after after playing a bit on my own, I realised that the, the 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 balancing between say the A wing and the interceptor isn't that much difference. There there isn't much difference in between those two, other than like yeah, sometimes in the A in A wing you got a bit more visuals, especially when you're in VR. You're looking out of a, a a bigger window than you are looking out of the interceptor window, which mm. is just a sort of a VR perk, I guess. Really, yeah. Mm. Also, learning that the Tie Fighter and Tie Interceptor have that sort of overcharge ability thing that the A Wing doesn't because you don't have mm. shields, so you yeah. can mm. you can literally like pump all of the energy into either your speed, yeah, or your lasers and do like this big overcharge thing so oh, that's what i've been doing as default <laughs> yeah oh no not not the regular power cycling thing you know left up on the d-pad thing if you again like with the shields the shield balancing whole decks and you know front back when you're in a tie fighter or tie interceptor if you hold x you can adjust your power between the engines or the lasers yeah oh like further for like more of a boost well shit me yeah benefits of playing a single player game here you guys yeah yep. <laughs> that was that was kind of the reality check i got when i was I, I finished the whole single player today it's not particularly long um but i normally never play a game's multiplayer before i've done the single player yep and I kind of, yeah, like I wasn't going to take the single player of an EA game seriously anyway. So I hopped on the <laughs> multiplayer first and uh, I got the fucking, I got the wee clip round the ear for that when they were like, well, here's all these things that you would have known mm. if you played single player, Brandon. Mm. <laughs> well, I, and you're probably right, Jody, in that the, the balance thing is maybe not so much of an issue. And also we were learning the ropes when we yeah. played it. And I imagine a lot of the people that we were playing up against were probably much higher rank than we were um which was evident by their number on the rank anyway but they were doing things that were like 
we were always empire and no matter what we were being dicked on but then there was a turning point where we were actually communicating and we fucking annihilated as the empire and even though the visual like i i, I would just like the the window of of the empire to be just, just a, a little, little bit, bigger just adjust just, it slightly you know mm. yeah give it like you can an compromise extra- a lot yeah if it had like an extra like eight inches in diameter that window just a just a bit extra mm. that, so it's yeah. still law friendly but you know just not quite as much of a hamstring as it really is yeah because you know in real life if star wars star wars was real they would have peripheral windows they wouldn't box themselves off like that it just wouldn't make any sense so if you can just make it a little bit bigger you know just a little bit would be nice but then you do have the benefit of being in vr that you can calibrate your head to your penis level and just look up (laughs) yeah or or just lean forward as well that works or just lean forward yeah, yeah yeah But um, on another thing to mention is that this is sort of EA's continued U-turn of quality with the fucking Star Wars license. That you know they've had the Star Wars license for I think it's fifteen years now, and they didn't do anything with it up until Star Wars Battlefront the reboot in what was it two thousand and fourteen two thousand thirteen something like that. And yeah, no, it was later than that, wasn't it? No, fifteen. Yeah, 2015. They didn't do anything with it up until then. And that was an all right game. Didn't have a whole lot of content to it, but it was okay. Well, it was it was it was slandered for its microtransactions. Oh no, that was Battlefront 2. Did you say slandered? Oh, we were talking about two. Yeah. yeah. So Battlefront, Battlefront slandered one. Is, slandering <laughs> is spreading untrue rumors about someone in yeah. person. People Whereas, were spreading the frank truth about EA being scum. Yep. Yeah. That Battlefront 2 came out aggressively microtransaction-y. It was awful. Mm. It was the whole thing that kicked off the loot box controversy because literally everything was behind a paywall. You paid mm. 50 quid for a new game, and if you wanted to you wanted to use Darth Vader, you either had to grind for fucking weeks at a time. Or, or, you know, or, or give AA like five quid or something. You know, give us give us five quid and you can uh, be oh, Darth fu- Vader. No, it, was, it was fifty quid. 50 quid? Re- oh, God. I, re- I remember watching a streamer called Sacriel play for it on the first day, and he was like, right, I want to go straight for it. I want to get I'm gonna get all the unlocks, and I'm going to pay for it all because EA have sponsored me. So I'm going to give all the money back, all the money that, I've used, that EA have paid him to play this game on his stream. He basically put back into the game and paid to unlock everything, and it worked out that he paid about 50, 60 quid to unlock everything. Oh, Jesus. Fucking hell. Yeah. Like, they and that certainly should have paid him for that. The fallout of that was still so bad that they ended up essentially taking everybody back to the drawing board. No, there was nothing, no extra content in that game, no patches or anything came out for like eight months until they completely redid the inventory system and the unlock system just because the whole thing was based around microtransactions. Mm. Like, they turned that game around phenomenally you know that's actually still increasing in player base at the moment and the last few patches have been utterly amazing especially for free patches like if that's if how if battlefield if battlefront 2 had launched as it was later you know held up and actually 
you know, developed by DICE, it would have done so much better initially. And honestly, if Battlefield Five had had the same live service treatment that that game mm. had, it would still be alive and kicking and thriving at this point, as opposed to the bullshit drip feed that that had. But, you know, again, after Battlefront 2, people were still a bit meh, iffy on the old EA having the Star Wars license, because, again, they weren't really doing a lot with it. And there was that cancelled game by Motif that was like a Star Wars Uncharted adventure style game, you know? Mm. And then that got cancelled, and evidently Motif then went on to do Squadrons. But, you know, if there was nothing for ages, there was Battlefront, there was Battlefront 2... There was then talks of EA losing the Star Wars license. And then last year we got the phenomenal fucking Jedi Fallen Order, which was, you know, I, I, I wanted a good like Jedi sort of focused game. Like I loved Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy. You know, they were really excellent like combat games, like dueling and stuff. Mm. Whereas Jedi Fallen Order went more of a sort of Batman Arkham Asylum style combat system where yeah. you... You know, you you did you could you could feel quite powerful once you'd leveled up and things, but you were still quite squishy. So you you know, it still felt quite high stakes combat. Whereas Jedi Outcast went more for you know really excellent sort of fighting abilities, but all tied to your mouse movements and things like that. And dueling with other players was more of a straight up skill challenge, which again I would love to see a modern reboot of Jedi Knight. Again, fantastic franchise. And now we've got Squadrons, which is, again, like a really fantastic fight, fight squadron starfighter game. And, you know, is sort of... It's, it feels like a bit of an interest-gauge sort of game. You know, it's its own self-contained experience, but, you know, it feels like something you'd put out to gauge interest in whether people want more of that. So... You know, again, yeah, I'm hoping this does well enough to warrant a follow-up, either with like Rogue Squadron or something, or leaning a bit more into the Wing Commander style. You know, they they've obviously been inspired by like Wing Commander and um, again, like the old X-wing and Tie Fighter games, because obviously there's the whole communicating with you, talking to your squad mates and stuff, like between missions, but that doesn't mean anything. There's no choices there. It's just you being talked to. And again, you sort of get an idea of who they are as a person, but they're, they're all just scripted NPCs who are going to survive anyway, as opposed to, say, Wing Commander, where you'd make choices to become friends or, or whatnot, whatnot with those guys. And if you took them out on a mission and they got blown up, they were dead. Like, they would not yeah. be back. And, you know, I feel if they do do a sequel eventually they might want to lean a bit more into that because, again, you want to be a bit more invested in everybody, whereas right now they're all a bit... I don't know, there's no real point to them. They're just there. They're just fluff, really, aren't they? So I'm hoping it does well enough to warrant a sequel or iterations of. But, yeah, it's... For me, it's a good sign of EA's current handling of Star Wars, and I'm hoping they continue on that trend as opposed to bio-wearing it or something and just fucking them up the arse and letting them just produce shit. Well, if if this is uh, like a, a project that is just putting the feelers out there to see what the reception is, critically, it's highly acclaimed. But looking on the store, Steam store page, it's mixed. Oh, and yeah. I, I think a lot of people are complaining that it's too arcadey. 
because they're used to like Wing Commander or um, other sim games. Fundamentally, this is not a simulation game. It is an arcade. It's an arcade game. game, but with light simulation and micromanagement. Exactly. There are a lot of people fucking complaining about their hotel setups. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I agree. I, I think that is a, um, a good enough, like, uh, sorry, it's, it's a significant flaw that they have a flying game that doesn't work well with HOTAS. That is pretty bad. However, that being said, I can compromise and use a controller and still find enjoyment in the game. I don't see the reason to give a negative review for a game that doesn't function with a HOTAS. That's just me. Yeah, that's a good point. But at the same time, negative reviews tied to specific issues are usually a good way of flagging them for de- the developer. You know, it's like, I would I would give this a positive review, but currently the fucking throttle doesn't work at all on my HOTAS setup. You're going to have no, a bunch true, of you like check those messages and go, oh shit, okay, we fix that, patch out, and then those reviews are going to be edited and turned to positive, and okay, that issue's fixed, I actually really enjoy this game now. I, I agree, but th- that would be good if it was just left at, it doesn't work with HOTAS. What what the majority of people are saying um, is regarding like it doesn't it doesn't work with Hotas, but also here's all the other problems that I found with the game, namely that it's not it's not a simulation game, mm. and and I'm looking at these reviews like it never marketed itself as a simulation game, and unless I've unless I'm mistaken, no, there, was, there was a, there was a lot of sort of media push around it being a simulator, you know, oh, of, okay. of this sort of X-wing. TIE Fighter sort of variety, even though going back and looking at X-Wing versus TIE Fighter it is actually still quite an arcadey game. I mean, there's there's more depth to it in terms of like scanning and this, that, and the other and power management. But again, it's very much the same sort of thing. So it's still an arcadey game. It's not a full simulator, no, but I don't really think... It wouldn't do well as the people were actually expecting yeah, it. No, it'd be fucking not ridiculous. Given the same amount of it, effort it, as a simulator normally is. Yeah, that 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 would be like a very very cult classic if it was a simulator in VR. You know, you're already narrowing down your fan base by having it in VR. No, it's not VR alone, but if you have VR only games, you're you've narrowed your 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 player base massively. If you then make it a very particular niche of VR game you've cut that narrow margin by a significant portion as well. So you might get people who are interested in a VR simulator and they don't own a VR headset, and that might actually push them into doing that. But, you know, I, I, feel, like the, I feel like a lot of these negative reviews are, are saying things that none of us have, have witnessed. Some people are saying that VR is one FPS, with the render frame lagging extremely behind head movement. That to me sounds like you got you haven't even got a fucking 1070 GTX. I have a 1070 and I have no fucking issues. The game has crashed three times and that's it. I don't yeah. have I don't have any FPS issues. The yeah. FPS is fucking incredible. Yeah, I'm so, running it at fucking full full settings and it's quite smooth. There are the occasional moments where I feel like it does jutter a little bit in like the absolute yeah. 
most when chaotic sort loads of moments. explosions and stuff yeah yeah when there's loads of explosions and things we're in a debris heavy area and every player's jammed in together firing missiles at each other and things and i'm doing like a full turn boosting to try and evade a missile and stuff and i'm looking like not straight ahead in my cockpit it never seems to be while i'm looking straight ahead it always seems to be like if i'm in an a-wing and looking out off to my left and up or something that's when i feel like it jutters a bit and i sort of go Ugh. Yeah, that's, because that's, that's probably and because that's, that's what the game's not expecting you to, like, see. Because if you're... Mm. Basically, the VR is is trying to replicate what you'd see on a screen, but in a 3D environment. So if you're looking straight forward all the time, it's easy. Oh, yeah, that's what the, the screen would normally render when you're playing the game. Mm. So that's what you're looking at, and that's what they expect you to look at. But if you start mm. looking off in other directions, that's, that's how I've noticed, like, where I've noticed the, like, any sort of uh, frame rate drop, yeah, frame rate drop or stuttering mm. or anything is when I've been looking elsewhere other than directly in front of me. Is when I've mm. noticed like stuttering and stuff like that, the odd crashing and stuff during during like online games and stuff like that. But that's probably just down to my PC being not as good. But I. I- I think this sort of raises the point of, and this applies to everything from video games to if you're buying a fucking toaster off of a certain website belong or belonging to a billionaire piece of shit. Um, there are review sections that are just not going to be helpful. Like I'm mm. reading one right now that is giving a cons and a not recommended for this game. And it says performance again, running in VR. So not expecting the world but I'm running it on a brand new 3080 on the index and even on medium settings, it wasn't smooth. Playable, yes, but not as smooth as it should be. I am playing this game on a 2070. It's a pretty beefy GPU. It's not fucking, you know, Titan level or anything like that, but it's a pretty decent GPU. This guy's got a better one than me and he's not able to run it on medium, but I am getting 200 frames a second at all times even when i'm looking over my seat i'm getting 200 frames a second so it's that sort of thing if you know a person could look at that and think oh fuck okay so this is going to be some clunky piece of shit that hasn't been optimized properly i'm not going to buy that Mm. because of this one idiot with like this guy could have a fucking i3 in his computer some piece of shit it's sort of don't take fucking reviews as the gospel because you know like like with things like amazon There'll be some guy who's like, I love toasters and I own 500 of them and I would never buy this one again because it doesn't have a button that allows me to fucking play happy birthday when my toast pops out. I've got two points to add to this. Firstly, I've got a 1070, which is worse than Brendan's graphics card. It was my Uh, previous one I used for VR. Exactly. I I have uh, an index, a Valve index, and I don't have the frame rate... uh, monitor up in my top corner and i haven't checked the graphics settings but i'm sure it's on high because when i switch it off uh vr it's ultra like it looks ultra so i assume that when i flick it to vr it's on ultra or high now that being said i have not noticed any fps drop drastically it's it i as far as i can tell it's running at 60 frames plus and on the odd occasion where there's an explosion or i'm looking over my shoulder it drops to maybe like 50 that's all i can tell that's all i've seen and that's that's all i can say for that the second point um which was going to be very valid and i honestly can't remember now (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, yes, yeah, second, second point. Um, a lot of these people who are, are not recommending it have the, the Valve Index. Now, with the Valve Index, you can choose whether or not you want to run it on the standard 90 frames per second per screen, or if you want to do the experimental 120 upwards. Now, these, tw- these cunts who are rating saying my game is dropping on FPS are probably going for the experimental 120 frames per second. Now, there's, it's called experimental for a reason. They're also mentioning that they're doing 100% to 150% super sampling, which will also have a massive hit on your performance. So, you know, don't expect that a VR game is going to look like a non-VR game at this very moment. You know, if the game runs well, looks pretty fucking good anyway in VR, take it just as that. You're not going to get screenshot-worthy footage in VR. Mm. Not yet. In the future, yeah, maybe in like three to four years' time, it might catch up. But curb your fucking expectations with VR. <laughs> the, the only review I'm going to endorse from Steam comes from a user called Face Push, and they've got eight hours on record, and they've given it a recommendation. And their review simply reads, EA finally did something right and gave us the game we've all needed for quite some time. Rather it be keyboard, mouse, hotas, or controller, this game gives you all the configurations you could ever want or need for a successful spaceflight game. Adding VR and a bag of mushrooms will push things even further, giving <laughs> you the best trip of your lousy fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So guys, what do we uh, what do we reckon about squadrons? What's our uh, what's our favorite thing? What's our least favorite thing? What do we expect to see in the future of squadrons? My favourite thing is obviously the VR support and how well implemented it is, because honestly that takes, as I said before, a pretty good squadron fighting game into an amazing co-op VR experience, like a team-based 5v5 co-op competitive fucking game. It's amazing. It's, as I said... Everything I've wanted since I was a kid. Be be able to sit in the cockpit of an X-Wing or an A-Wing or a TIE Interceptor and just blow up some Rebels or some Imperials in just this gorgeous VR environment. It's fantastic. What I don't like about it is the fact that they're kind of cagey on whether there's not going to be any sort of post-launch content or not. I know they've said it's its own complete experience sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but, you know... Like, how good would, say, like, a couple of DLCs for some new maps in, like, the um, prequel timeline and the Last Jedi onwards sort of timeline as well be with some updated ships and, you know, different varieties of weapons and maps and things and maybe a couple of extra game modes. How good would that be? I would love that. I I, I will... um agree with Rob on exactly those two points. That's what I was going to say, um, but maybe expand and say that um, uh, on, on the positive, uh, I like that this is the first VR game that I've played that isn't just a shooter. And it, it, most VR games that are out and that we play that are multiplayer specifically are run and gun shooters. You know, they're, they're fun. They're very fun, but it's nice to play something different. And I am a bit worried about post-launch content as well, Rob. I, um, 
I hope they they do free updates, but I wouldn't mind paying for DLC. I wouldn't mind paying for DLC just for the fact that the game was itself thirty five pounds in a yeah. in a mm. world where mm. AAA titles now go oh, for sixty quid. Oh yeah, seventy and going to be yeah, 70, seventy or whatever quid. on PlayStation Five and shit. Yeah, seventy yeah. quid for a new game. There's no microtransactions in it either, which also adds to it. Like, I'm more open to paying for a proper expansion pack yeah. than I am for having to pay. You know, yeah, I mean, five quid for Brendan all as well. I know just before it came out, you were worried about the two currencies, and you were like, one of them's got to be premium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thankfully it's not. It's not. We we were all good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the thing. Wait for yes. the third currency, Brendan. <laughs> Wait until Have the quarterly had... report comes out and the shareholders give their opinions. Well, we've done all right, but what we need is we need to get a new premium currency to get people really hyped about the game because people love spending money, right? What we've got to do is we've got, we've got to get plasma coins, right? Or iron coins. Yeah, iron coins. Because they'll disable the people, in it'll disable their brains and their logic in their brain to actually make them buy it. There we go. That'll be it. <laughs> So my Fuck. my favourite thing is is definitely uh, being able to to fly around and shoot people uh, in the, in the game <laughs> like 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 you like you would like it would be like a like a sim like a simulator like a fly sim sort of thing. Uh, I like the abilities to uh, sort of focus on your your speed and your shields. Uh, that general mechanic is something that I thought I would never be able to sort of get a hang of but from the last like 24 hours us playing it i feel like it's pretty fucking easy and it's probably just me being younger or when i used to play these sorts of games when i was younger i used to be terrible at the the flying side of things because i just didn't know what to do now i'm older yeah, and a little bit smarter very well yeah they, they've made it a lot yeah. easier and a bit more friendlier which i i, I find is, is great um something i'm not too keen about uh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought matchmaking was great. I thought matchmaking as well was good. Like we didn't spend ages searching for games or anything like that. I'd like to see how ranked plays out as well. I'm not too mm. sure about how that's playing out when it's only the one game mode. Yeah, um, yeah. And that dog fighting would be really good. That's one thing. What you said about ranked dog fighting. Rank uh, dog fighting is like a team deathmatch. And you don't really get ranked team deathmatch, do you? On on like your your, your shooter games and stuff like that. So I don't understand why okay, they put right, a rank. Right. Well, let, let me just counteract that with Rainbow Six Siege and uh, Valorant, Overwatch. No, Valorant doesn't do ranked team deathmatch. Neither it, does Overwatch. But they're kind of deathmatch. Team, team deathmatch modes have always just been like the jump in and play quick quick game modes not ranked games that you spend hours or you spend hours grinding it trying to get a level up. You play like competitive yeah, CSGO in a ranked sort of thing. I feel like they could do it though. I feel like they could definitely put in new game modes that would be ranked. Like I'd love to see like a King of the Hill or like a uh, a free-for-all. Not racing. Cause I feel oh, like racing ra- would be fun though. Racing would just be you just put all your all your stats into to speed and acceleration and just it'd be whoever just has the best sort of Jordy, design. just say you want a new pod racer game and be done 
I want game a VR great. pod racer game. Yes, please. Yes, fucking please. I would. Motive, uh, come on! If you if you're not going to give us more squadrons, <laughs> are you I would listening love, to this podcast? <laughs> I would love if they added uh, maps where you fought on a planet rather than in space. Mm. That would mm. be nice. Yeah. Then you yeah. have then you have that there's, cool. there's 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 actually like a chance of you hitting the floor or trees oh, and stuff oh like God. that. I just saw oh remembering the very original um Battlefront games where you were the um I don't know the specific class of fighter but you could tie up the 8080s. Imagine yeah, that. the snow speeder. Oh, the speeder. Oh, yes. Imagine that. Oh. That'd be oh. Fun. Another thing like sort of like a capture the flag game mode could definitely be something that would be put in there. So like one team mm. one team has a pilot who catches a flag, the other team have got to try and shoot him and then catch the flag off of him. That would be something that would be quite a cool little game mode to add as well. Virus mode? Like like not even team deathmatch, just deathmatch virus mode where one person, one ship has the virus and you've got to run away from them or not get killed by them or something. <laughs> I was going to say, um, like, uh, this is something I've discussed after yeah. the global plague. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> there was one thing me and Brandon mentioned just before the podcast while we were waiting for you guys because you were both so late. So late. God, geez. Um, was, but I have so many friends, Rob. <laughs> so many friends. Uh, was the fact that the Starhawk project is, you know, was teased for ages during the, um, the, ter- the all the trailers and things. And the Starhawk project was involved at the Battle of Jakku, which was in Battlefront 2. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's all your Inferno squad, traitor to the Empire, turned rebel, um, engaged in like ground and air combat on the actual surface of Jakku. Um, and an executor class star destroyer is actually brought down by the Starhawk. Well, a Starhawk at the battle of Jakku, which turns the tight, it crashes it into the planet with the tractor beam. And I genuinely thought that like the story would pan out to be a lead up to that. And then you'd have like a massive fleet battle at the end over Jakku. Cause there's lots of mentions of, um, Inferno squadron, Iden Versio from battlefront Two by like the Imperial side um, during the actual single player. And, you know, there's lots of little nods to the Battlefront 2 campaign and things in like some of the cosmetics, like the helmet. There's a special yeah. operations one that's the Inferno Squad helmet. There's also and, a lot of, there's also a lot of nods to the Rebels TV series as well in this game. Yeah. There's a lot and, of the um, uh, trinkets and stuff, uh, uh, stuff from that series. Like the, the droid that you can get as one of the holograms is from the Rebels yeah. TV series. Yeah. And the, one uh, of the holograms for the Empire is um, General Hask from Battlefront 2 as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, Je- um, what's it? General Hela Sindula or whatever? She's from Rebels, isn't she? Yes. And um, yeah, I think there's some Rebels-themed like ship cosmetics for the Rebel side as well. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of little nods to some fairly like extended canon and things which i found quite nice as a bit of a star wars nerd but you know Mm. i was kind of like brendan's finished the campaign allegedly that is not where it goes but you know that was where i was hoping it ended up you know and again it would sort of tie it would sort of tie the two games together a bit closer as well when you've seen like the same battle from like two different perspectives like it could have been the empire side that you're playing as at the battle of jakku and you lose sort of thing at the end you know 
So you've had the on foot sort of on the ground on Jakku sort of perspective in Battlefront 2. And then also at the same time in a different game, the in space battle thing from the Empire side or something. I thought that would have been a really cool way to tie things together, but wasted opportunity. I just realized that motive, uh, sorry, I was just looking on, on, on uh, Wikipedia, that motive are a subsidiary of EA themselves. So they are basically owned and by all intents and purposes are EA, um, which I thought is quite neat. So it is like this is both Battlefront 2 and Squadrons are made in some regard by EA, or at least heavily funded by, obviously, being the publisher. But um, it, was, it was interesting to note that um, it was founded with, uh, so it says here, Motive Studios was founded within Electronic Arts by Jade Raymond, a former Ubisoft executive and producer at the helm. Oh, I remember her. Yeah. Which I, you know, I, she's, it says she's no longer uh, the, um, she's no longer in, in uh, Motive. Um, she departed to join uh, Stadia. Google Stadia, and she now heads up the Google Stadia. Uh, yeah, yeah, to uh, Google's studios, Stadia Games and Entertainment. So, big move for her, I guess. Um, but uh, interesting to see that uh, EA would appoint a uh, a woman in 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 charge of everything, which is really nice, and not just the standard men in in the the, the higher positions of uh, these t- these companies. So, well, as uh, Ubisoft is shown to the world, that's not really the best idea, is it? Sexual harassment Mm. problems. Oh, you mean with men in the top? Yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, you wasn't saying it's bad to have women in positions. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I I didn't suddenly take this into misogyny hours. It's it's actually, um, it's sort of like, I remember Jade because she got quite high profile quite quickly because she was actually the reason why Ubisoft Toronto was a thing. She was the managing director of it. Mm. And like, um, I think as far as like, um, sort of women who are in games development, she's always been quite senior for quite a long time now. And it's interesting to see that she has bounced from Ubisoft to EA and now Motive and then off to somewhere else. Yeah. They're kind of just, all the big companies are passing the CEOs around each other. It's probably how they, it's well, probably just how they get get paid better, really, isn't it? Like once yeah, you become once poached. you come to the CEO, you you want to move to a different company and get them to pay you more money. Oh, here yeah, we well, go. Actually, yeah, in March 2019, Raymond announced that she had joined Google as a vice president, and well, Google affirmed go. that she'll be leading Google Studios, the Stadia Games and Entertainment, to create exclusive content for Google Stadia streaming services. So yeah. it's all kind of that perfect coming together of things of where she had started with Ubisoft, who are horrific monsters, <laughs> went to EA, who are even more horrific monsters, and now she's on to Google's streaming service. <laughs> Which is a horrific monster. <laughs> we have not monster. yet done anything major just yet, but by God, do they have potential. Google Stadia. Yeah. Yeah. If they can fix, I mean, the problem is it's all, rel- I mean, this is a totally another subject that we'll probably have to cover another time. We've covered it like three times already. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if we want to do like a deep dive into it and do like the full pros and cons of it, because we've just brushed on it every now and then. But well, we've, you know, we've, I've always stand by the fact that we all need to have super internet before this sort of stuff can exactly. happen. Exactly. Yeah. Gigabit. Everyone needs to have gigabit as standard for it to work. And that's 
not going to happen anytime not soon. Even, it's not in England or the UK or mm. probably the majority of the world either, for that matter. But yeah. Right. And on that note, we shall end the episode there. Thank you, boys, for uh, for joining me today on the episode. Uh, where can we find you guys if we want to check out your content elsewhere? You can find me on YouTube at Rob Coxie. There is a shiny new Star Wars Squadrons video. I'm making content again. And yeah. There thinking, will be more content. There, there will, will be. And yeah, I'm actually thinking of doing a bit more streaming on Twitch. Also, Rob Coxie and also VR and also Quadrants. So uh, mm. follow me on there and keep an eye out. Gerald? You can also find me on YouTube at Endash and at twitch.tv forward slash Endash underscore. And as I always say, I hope to stream soon at some point when I get the confidence. <laughs> you can also find me streaming on days where I won't be working. So I'm going to start a schedule as of next week where I stream on a Thursday and a Friday night. Uh, which is this will next week as of recording or it'll be as of, as of recording when this, when this goes live, I'll be, I'll be on a schedule of Thursday, Friday nice. uh, record uh, streaming, which will be uh, Thursdays and yeah, Thursdays, Fridays from about eight thirty nine 9 o'clock. I'm thinking so in the morning uh, or evening in the evening. So uh, there'll be late, late night streams. Uh, so if you are uh, about at that time, please come and have a watch. We will probably will be playing a lot of squadrons. So that is probably what we'll be playing for the first couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, Brendan, where can we find you? You can find me screaming every day until I die. Anyway, right. thank you all for listening. Uh, we have been the VGC podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at VGC underscore podcast. And uh, if you've got iTunes, go and give us a little five-star review and thank us for uh, giving you this wonderful content. And yeah. And in return, time, Jordy, we it just, it just needs to be a review. A review, a review would be nice. Yes, a review. doesn't have to be five-star, but if Don't it is five-star. Don't judge five us star, by our hotel support. <laughs> <laughs> Love yourselves, <laughs> keep safe, and we will see you next Tuesday. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.